This is a recording of Nephi's Shazer, the fourth Arabian pillar of the Book of Mormon, by Warren P. Aston, published in Interpreter, a journal of Latter-day Saint faith and scholarship, read by Jeff Lindsay. Abstract. Many Book of Mormon students are aware that several locations along Lehi's trail through the Arabian Peninsula now have surprising and impressive evidence of plausibility, including the River Laman, Valley of Lemuel, Nahum, and Bountiful. One specific location that has received much less attention is Shazer, a brief hunting stop mentioned in only two verses. After reviewing the potential etymology of the name, Warren Aston provides new information from discoveries made during fieldwork in late 2019 at the prime candidate for the Valley of Lemuel, discoveries that led to a new understanding about the path to Shazer. Contrary to previous assumptions about Lehi's journey, Aston shows there was no need to backtrack through the Valley of Lemuel to begin the south-southeast journey toward Shazer. It appears that Nephi's description of crossing the river from the family's campsite and then going south-southeast toward Shazer is exactly what can be done from the most likely candidate for a campsite in the most likely candidate for the Valley of Lemuel. In light of fieldwork and further information, Aston also reviews the merits of several locations that have been proposed for Shazer and points to a fully plausible, even probable, location for Shazer. The account of Shazer, like Nahum, the river of Laman slash Valley of Lemuel and Bountiful, may now be a fourth Arabian pillar anchoring and supporting the credibility of the Book of Mormon's Old World account. And it came to pass that we did take our tents and depart into the wilderness across the river Laman. And it came to pass that we traveled for the space of four days, nearly a south-southeast direction. And we did pitch our tents again, and we did call the name of the place Shazer. And it came to pass that we did take our bows and our arrows, and did go forth into the wilderness to slay food for our families. And after we had slain food for our families, we did return again to our families in the wilderness, to the place of Shazer. 1 Nephi 16, verses 12 through 14. At first glance, the two verses in Nephi's account that mention Shazer offer little expectation that this brief hunting stop might be located on the modern map at all, much less with any confidence. This essay reviews the likely etymology of the name before reporting new discoveries made in late 2019 at the prime candidate for the Valley of Lemuel, finds that ultimately form part of the story of Shazer. Several of the locations discussed have not been pictured previously in Latter-day Saint publications. After weighing the various locations proposed over the years, it concludes that recent explorations seem likely to have bridged the 2,600-year gap between Nephi's day and our own, yielding a fully plausible, even probable, location for Shazer. Alongside the river of Laman slash Valley of Lemuel, Nahum and Bountiful, Shazer thus becomes the fourth Arabian pillar anchoring and supporting, in the real world, the credibility of the Book of Mormon's Old World account. The Etymology of the Name Shazer Along with the other place names in the Lehite account, much attention has been given by commentators over the years into understanding what Shazer, a name bestowed by the Lehites upon their first camp after leaving the Valley of Lemuel, may signify. This essay contributes to that discussion by suggesting that the identification of the most plausible location for Shazer has strong implications for the suggestions made to date. 
1952, while making no attempt at locating it, two scholars published quite different suggestions that have dominated discussions of the etymology of Shazer down to the present. The most enduring was the suggestion of Sidney B. Sperry that the name may derive from the Hebrew root uh, spelled uh, S-Z-R, um, referring to twisting, intertwining. While it has received only qualified support from other church scholars, this suggestion has become accepted as quasi-authoritative by being incorporated into the footnote for the first appearance of the name in the 1981 and 2013 official editions of the Book of Mormon. Since then, ideas have sought to explain what the twisted and intertwining may have referred to. These have ranged from the shape of the location, for example, a twisting wadi, Arabic for valley or watercourse, to the shape of trees that likely grew there. The second proposal came from Hugh Nibley, whose first book noted that the Arabic term shajer is quite common. It is a collective noun meaning trees. He also pointed out that in Arabic, particularly Egyptian Arabic, the word is often pronounced as shajer, which seems to be at least approximate to at least approximate the local vocalization of the name as it appears in Nephi's text. Surely not an inconsequential point. Nephi's suggestion makes sense. Since the group was traveling in Arabia and had just spent a substantial period encamped in a place where Arabic would have been the ling lingua franca, um, allowing them to exchange, engage with locals, both at the valley and now at Shazer. The probable location of Shazer, as discussed in this essay, now comes into play. Any examination of maps and satellite imagery of any of the candidates will reveal only the commonplace meandering of almost all Arabian wadis. There is nothing especially twisting and intertwining about their shape. It follows, therefore, that Shazer's name arose for some reason other than the valley's contours. As will be discussed, the leading candidate for Shazer is notable for three reasons. Its distance from the Valley of Lemuel, its proximity to mountains where game could be hunted, and its profusion of trees. All these features can be readily discerned in satellite imagery, although are best appreciated at ground level. This makes it seem very likely that the place named Shazer ultimately derives from its trees, as Nibley has suggested. To be sure, the matter may not be that simple. For example, Matthew L. Bowen's recent paper on the etymology of the Shazer name introduces the possibility that Nephi's text may also have been shaped to produce a chiasm, recording uh, emphasis of the place as one that provided food for the group, further suggesting that the name may also link to an old Arabic term for a young gazelle, among the likely animals hunted in that area, both then and still today. In any case, Bowen's suggestions are not necessarily exclusive of Nibley's. Shazer may have been named by the Lehites to account for both features. Reaching Shazer from the Valley of Lemuel, the new findings. The story of Shazer has its beginning at the previous encampment, the Valley of Lemuel. In Nephi's account, the Lehite group, surely guided by the Leahona that had appeared outside of Lehi's tent that very morning, departed the Valley of Lemuel by first crossing the river of Laman that flowed through it. Taken in conjunction with the words that immediately follow, telling us the duration of travel, four days, and the direction taken, nearly south-southeast, this indicates rather clearly that the group's encampment in the valley had been on the north side of the valley. That is, the river at that point must have been flowing in approximately an east-west direction. Desert travel using loaded camels 
He is usually reckoned at ranging between 20 to 25 miles or 32 to 40 kilometers per day, thus giving us robust parameters whenever the number of days of, number of, days of travel is mentioned by Nephi. As part of a larger re-examination of the Lehite exodus from Jerusalem, in 2018 and again in 2019, with a colleague, I conducted new explorations of the area in and around Wadi Taib al-Izm in the Tabuk province of Saudi Arabia. Some of my primary conclusions were published in BYU Studies Quarterly. This article concluded that Wadi Taib al-Izm was the candidate that, quote, most plausibly matches Nephi's account, end quote, of the Valley of Lemuel. In fact, exploration of the entire area within the parameters given by Nephi, the three days travel into the wilderness after arriving at the Red Sea, recorded in 1 Nephi 2, verses 5 to 6, has effectively ruled out any other credible contenders for the valley. That being the case, the oasis within the valley must be considered the most plausible specific site for the Lehite encampment, one that lasted many months, if not a year or longer. By the way, the article here has image two, a view facing southwards over the oasis in Wadi Taib al-Izm, the candidate for the Valley of Lemuel. Enclosed within mountains, the valley runs in a roughly east-west direction, beginning further inland and descending to the shore of the Red Sea. Now, that was the caption for an image showing an oasis with a large number of palm trees and some other trees in the background, and then you can see the mountains behind it, but plenty of room for an encampment. Back to the text. In seeking a holistic understanding of the journey from the valley to Shazer, my 2018-19 to explorations of the oasis had two primary objectives. Firstly, we were, there, were there any locations that could have served as an encampment for more than half a dozen tents? Secondly, and more importantly, was it in fact possible to travel from the oasis through the surrounding mountains to Shazer, on a nearly southeast heading, as Nephi's text records. In both cases, the new discoveries conform with remarkable consistency to Nephi's account. 1. An encampment area in the Valley of Lemuel. While other smaller clearings nearby cannot be ruled out, on the north side of the valley, one quite large clearing besides the oasis stood out. Its smooth level base made it appear ideal as a safe campsite. Overlooking the valley and its cluster of palms, it is elevated above the flood level. Flash floods still occur today, and thus would have sat above the level of the river in Nephi's day. Uh, there then follows image 3, uh, the subtitle for this, A large flat area suitable for an encampment sits on a slightly higher terrain, or sits on slightly higher terrain next to the oasis on its north side. This view faces roughly north. Uh, you can see a number of trees. These aren't palm trees, but you also see sand and then the mountains in the, in the background. Continuing, two, access directly out of the Valley of Lemuel, southeast towards Shazer. Most significantly, there indeed proved to be a valley, only one, leading through the mountains and closing the valley. Importantly, it is the only feasible route to leave the valley in a southward direction for many miles. Its general direction leads southeast through the mountains to emerge in a broad plain, see image 5, offering a multitude of possible pathways that bring the traveler to the huge Wadi Ifal basin, and then to the town of Albad. Thus, no backtracking at any stage was necessary. Had Lehi and his group used another valley further inland, i.e. further to the east, 
there would have been no need to cross the river Laman at that point. Of course, such a scenario does not fit Nephi's straightforward account. Then there's image four, the caption. After crossing to the southern side of the oasis across the river Laman in Nephi's account, this valley is the only one allowing travel through the mountains in a general southeast direction. This view faces in the direction of travel. And it looks like a dirt road with uh, some uh, sandstone mountains and hills around it. Image 5, subtitle, The Valley Exiting the South Side of the Oasis in Wadi Tayyib al-Ism, shown in image 4, arrives at this plain. From there, access through several routes leads southeast in the direction of Shazer. And this shows a, kind of a large plain, a lot of sand and some small rocks, and then we can see mountains in the background and to the left, a few bushes. Back to the text. Finally, whether merely a happy coincidence or not, the valley leading southeast from the oasis lies almost opposite the encampment area, neatly accommodating the Book of Mormon's description of the particulars of the journey to Shazer. In other words, the group left their campsite, crossed the river, and then immediately entered the one valley permitting travel that would ultimately lead them to Shazer, all the while maintaining the nearly south-southeast direction that Nephi recorded. The next verse records their arrival at Shazer. Taken strictly at face value, Nephi's stipulation that the journey took four days' travel in nearly a south-southeast direction to arrive at Shazer can be accepted as both accurate and entirely feasible. There then follows image six, sub, the title of the caption, Wadi Tayyib Alism Oasis and the features discussed. Uh, this is a satellite photograph um, from, I believe, from Google Maps. Uh, that shows, uh, you can see uh, the ocean to the far left, uh, Wadi Tayyib al-Ism, it's beginning at the, at the Red Sea, is marked. There's a red route go, largely going from east to west that shows how Lehi and his group would have traveled through this valley to reach the, the Red Sea. Uh, there is a green area labeled as the proposed encampment, kind of in the center of this picture, and descending sort of south-southeast from that, there is another red line showing the route to Shazer, all superimposed on a satellite map that you can check for yourself. Now back to the text. Locating Shazer, the proposals. Over the years, researchers have proposed several candidates for Shazer. In chronological order, these proposals are as follows. The Gulf of Suez area, Egypt. A 1944 article titled Lehi's River Layman by Ariel L. Crowley in the Improvement Era contained what is probably the first proposal for the location of Shazer ever published. Believing that no natural rivers ran into the Red Sea, Crowley suggested that an ancient canal running from one of Egypt's bitter lakes through a natural valley, Wadi Tumilat, to the Red Sea near Suez may have been what Nephi referred to. Although the dating seems contested, building of the canal is believed to have begun, begun as early as the 20th century B.C. before the canal fell into disuse. Around 610 B.C., uh, uh, it began to be restored by Pharaoh Necho II. Crowley went on to hypothesize that the Lehite group then continued their journey to Bountiful along the Egyptian side of the Red Sea, continuing deep into Africa and then across the Horn, Horn of Africa until reaching modern Somalia. In this scenario, therefore, Shazer would lie somewhere near the Gulf of Suez in, e in Egypt. Unsurprisingly, the logic of this concept was demolished in Hugh Nibley's 1952 Lehi in the Desert, 
effectively ruling out a non-Arabian journey. But in 1988, Josiah Douglas resurrected and fleshed out Crowley's idea in a church news article titled, He, Lehi, May Have Gone Another Way. Douglas went so far as to suggest that Nephi's bountiful may be identified with the Nogal Valley in modern Somalia. The article notes Shazer only briefly as a stop at an unspecified place in Egypt with springs and trees, or quote, with springs and trees, unquote, the requisite four days travel from the Valley of Lemuel. Uh, there follows now an, a map, image seven. Um, the various showing the caption is the various locations proposed for Shazer in relation to the Valley of Lemuel encampment. And this is a simple map showing a portion of the Sinai Peninsula on the Red Sea. Um, and we can see there the, the oasis uh, up at the top, the, the location of the Valley of Lemuel. Uh, near it is Abad and Makna. And there's Sharma down below, and there's a wadi coming, uh, heading toward the east from Sharma, called Wadi Esh Sharma. And then there are a few other cities along the Red Sea uh, that are marked. Continuing with the text, Wadi al-Azlan slash Wadi al-Aznam. In 1976, pioneering Latter-day Saint explorers Lynn and Hope Hilton published the first proposal for the location of Shazer in Arabia. Believing the Valley of Lemuel was possibly the vast Wadi Ifal and, it, and its ancient Midianite capital, Al-Bad, or Al-Beda, they suggested that four days' travel would bring the group to Wadi al-Azlan on the Red Sea coast, which they describe as, quote, long and important and large oasis on the Red Sea coastal plain, end quote. They visited water wells in the area and noted that the place was a stretch of sterile sand with gently rising mountains, in quotes, in the east. Now more commonly known as Wadi al-Aznam, the wells of this oasis have been supported, have supported a large fort or castle that provided protection for Muslim pilgrims traveling from Egypt and North Africa on one of history's most important routes, the Egyptian Hajj Road. Al-Aznam Fort was built during the 14th century, one of 16 structures that survived to the present along the coastal trail to Medina and Mecca. There then follows image 8, the oasis at Wadi al-Aznam, showing the low hills nearby. So you see some palm trees, a few bushes, sand, and then in the background, um, low hills or mountains. And then there follows image 9, which shows a, uh, a modern well. There's a round ring of cement and again, sand and hills in the background. The caption says, one of several water wells recently enclosed in concrete at Wadi al-Aznam. Then we have image 10, the fort at Wadi al-Aznam, now restored, helped protect water sources and travelers, making the Muslim pilgrimage to Mecca, view taken facing northeast. We see here a, um, a, a castle, a fortress made out of uh, stones, looks in pretty good shape. Back to the text. As a Shazer candidate, however, Wadi al-Aznam suffers from an insuperable difficulty. At some 145 miles, or 233 kilometers, the distance from the Valley of Lemuel is probably in excess of what a loaded caravan of camels could reach in four days. That remains true even if we regard the Wadi Ifal as the Valley of Lemuel, as the Hiltons proposed. Accepting Wadi Tayyib al-Izm as the valley only compounds the matter, for then closer to seven to eight days' travel would be required. The fact that only low hills lie nearby, where prey is unlikely to have been present, rather than true mountains, is also an impediment to consider it as Shazer. Substantially better possibilities exist. Wadi al-Muwaili 
slash Wadi al Muwele. Twenty years later, in the 1996 update of their original book, the Hiltons made a new proposal, suggesting that Wadi al Muwali suggested excuse me Muwali suggested considerably closer uh, located considerably closer to Al Bad was a promising location location for Shazer. Making no reference to their original proposal, their book describes the new candidate as the terminus for Wadi Sir, or Wadi or Wadi Sir or Wadi Sir, a, a an quote amazing desert oasis covered by at least 80 acres of date palms, close to the Red Sea beach. End quote. Now more commonly presented in maps and on signage as Wadi al Muwele, the, the the fort here is larger than at Wadi al Aznan but belongs to the same era and follows the same style. Adjacent to the fort, large areas of date palms grow, both along the coast and stretching inland. As image 13 shows, the mountains, however, are a considerable distance further inland. Okay, at this point there follows uh, image 11. 13 will come later. Palm trees reach the Red Sea coast at Wadi al-Muwele. And uh, here you see, it looks like a beach area. You can see the Red Sea in the distance and um, palm trees in the in this flat sandy area and then we have image 12 shows the, re, uh, the, the caption is the restored fort at Wadi al-Muwele and it is a fairly nice looking fort there's a few palm trees in front of it a lot of sand and then image 13 palm trees extending inland at Wadi al-Muwele toward the distant mountains and we can see some uh, relatively tall mountains in the background and there is uh, a number of palm trees, some sand, and we see uh, it looks like a modern building um, in the foreground. Back to the text. Wadi al-Muwele is a is substantially more attractive candidate for Shazer than Wadi al-Aznam. It has a larger fertile area that continues to allow date palms and other crops to grow, and its distance from the Valley of Lemuel, about 88 miles or 142 kilometers, could be reached in four days. However, as it lies on the Red Sea coast, the distance inland to reach mountains where game might be hunted is substantial. If no other locations in the area met Nephi's description, it could be considered a candidate for Shazer, but with the reservation that it lies distant from any opportunities for hunting. Wadi Agar, or Agar uh, slash Wadi Esh Sharma. Fortunately, a third proposed location for Shazer exists that lacks the difficulties of the others. In 2003, Latter-day Saint expats George Potter and Richard Wellington reported a major valley named Wadi Agar that lies, uh, A-G-H-A-R-R, that reaches the Red Sea near the town of Sharma. While two main areas of oasis are present today, one in the narrowest section near the coast and one further inland where the Wadi widens, they noted a traveler's account from less than a century ago that described the date palms extending over a distance of 15 miles, or 24 kilometers. More commonly known as Wadi Esh Sharma, this wadi stretches inland a considerable distance with low mountains close on both sides initially and then later broadens considerably. The most fertile and vegetated area west of the wadi is now commonly known as Wadi Esh Sharma or simply Wadi Sharma, some of it stretches further inland and often appears on maps under names such as Wadi Arab, Arab and Wadi al-Alas, or Wadi Arab and Wadi al-Alas. Since Shazer is mentioned only as a stop where hunting, hunting took place, 
it is of great interest that locals living in the valley today have confirmed the ongoing presence of game, such as ibex, in the surrounding mountains. While access into the wadi is easily made from the Red, from the Red Sea coast, it is perhaps more likely that the Lehite group entered via a short wadi that leads straight from Wadi Ifal and intersects Wadi Sharma, as seen in image 14. Image 14 is another satellite map that's marked up. The caption reads, Wadi Esh Sharma can be readily accessed from the Valley of Lemuel through the short wadi, an extension from Wadi Ifal, seen here in red. The two main oasis areas in Wadi Esh Sharma can be easily seen, image courtesy of Google Earth. So this uh, Google Earth or Google Maps uh, satellite view uh, lets you see some of the Red Sea to the left. You see the location of Sharma. And then up north of Sharma, there's a, there's a large wadi that becomes a smaller wadi that leads into this uh, Wadi Esh. And there's a couple of oases marked on it. So it largely runs from, from west to east and has some arrows showing the route that Lehi and his family would probably have taken. Then follows image 15, which is a towering mountain with some trees in front of it and some sand. Caption, uh, these impressive mountains face the traveler in Wadi Sharma near the easternmost oasis. This view was taken facing eastward uh, near the easternmost oasis. And then image 16, a panoramic view of the easternmost oasis in Wadi Sharma facing eastwards. Uh, the continuation of the Wadi inland is visible to the right of these mountains. And we see again these uh, towering uh, mountains. Uh, in front of it are some palm trees and other trees and some sand, telephone line, etc. Back to the text. Wadi Sharma thus meets Nephi's account in ways that no other location does. At about 70 miles or 110 kilometers in the Valley of Lemuel, it easily fits the description of being four days travel. It is readily accessible and provides a pathway further into the interior of Arabia. It alone has the oasis resources of water and crops, especially the ubiquitous date that a traveling group would find valuable, but also mountains in the immediate vicinity that would have hunting opportunities, as they do today. This precise match to the text makes it the most plausible location for Shazer by far. Conclusions As the initial stage of the Lehite journey leading to the ocean crossing and arrival in the New World, the land locations discussed here are of no little importance. They represent an enormous investment of energy and time by researchers over many years to provide the Nephite record with a firm footing that assures potential readers that the account is authentic history. As we begin the 2020s, we can look back and see in detail how each stage of the Arabian crossing of that journey of journeys is now plausibly situated. At almost the beginning of that journey, the impressive Valley of Lemuel and River of Laman stand without credible challengers. Similarly, as discussed here, Shazer can now be identified with a high degree of certainty. Nahum, marking the burial place of Ishmael and the major change in travel direction, has uniquely inscriptorial support for that name that dates to the correct period. The final, most difficult leg across Arabia saw the group eventually arrive in Bountiful, a place, quote, prepared of the Lord, end quote, with all the resources required to build a ship that could cross oceans. Here we currently have two relatively nearby candidates in southern Oman, one of which, Kor Karfot, is accepted by many researchers, while the other, Kor Rory, also has notable champions. Over time, we can expect that this dichotomy will be resolved. 
Going forward, there is, of course, more to do. For the Arabian journey, more needs to be done to define the journey from Shazer to Nahum, about which the text says very little. When conditions allow researchers to return to Yemen, additional work is needed in further comprehending this region and what transpired there. Then there is image 17. This shows the entire Lehite route. The caption says the entire Lehite route across Arabia as currently established, showing the origin point, Jerusalem, in addition to the four pillars discussed in this article. So this is a um, a satellite map of the Arabian Peninsula. We see Jerusalem at the top, a trail going south, and it's marked in red, that takes us to the Valley of Lemuel, near near the uh, Gulf of Aqaba. And then there is Shazer below that. Then it continues on um, along what may well be the, well, along, along a pathway kind of south-southeast or southeast to Nahum, goes past Mecca. There's Nahum north of, of Sana'a and Marib. Uh, from Nahum, the trail goes almost due east to Bountiful on the, on the coast of Oman, southern part of the Arabian Peninsula. Back to the text. The process of conciliance takes place when evidence from unrelated and independent sources converge. When that happens, the resulting conclusions move beyond being mere claims. They become substantial and significant, requiring the observer to consider the strong likelihood that they are objectively true. From the standpoint of the Book of Mormon's Old World setting, the emergence of candidates for each specific location in Nephi's text, plausibly and precisely situated from all perspectives, surely qualifies as an example of this. Of the four pillars of credibility discussed here, Shazer stands as the most recent illustration of this process unfolding. Can we hope that these old world pillars will now begin to contribute towards a resolution of the new world setting? Better understanding of the bridging events between these two worlds, the ships used in the various migration voyages and the ocean routes taken, may become keys to moving us ahead. If so, the Book of Mormon would then be positioned to emerge anew in its full, real-world setting, ready to impact a vastly, vastly greater audience. Author's Notes My 2019 exploration in the oasis of the area of the Valley of Lemuel and the various Shazer candidates was facilitated and greatly enhanced by the contributions of my traveling companion, John Nelson. This article also benefited greatly from the comments made by three anonymous reviewers. The color images in this article are by the author and were made without filters or digital enhancements. They may not be reproduced without written permission. Warren Aston is an independent researcher based in Brisbane, Australia. Since 1984, his exploratory efforts throughout the Near East and Mesoamerica have identified the candidates for Nahum and the Old World Bountiful, now accepted by most LDS scholars. In 2013, he co-founded the Cor Carfot Foundation, leading several international teams undertaking fieldwork at the site. He is the author of In the Footsteps of Lehi, 1994, Lehi and Sariah in Arabia, the Old World Setting of the Book of Mormon, 2015, and numerous papers and articles. Warren's findings have been reported in, in Church Education System Manuals, BYU Studies Quarterly, Encyclopedia of Mormonism, and the Journal of Book of Mormon Studies. They've also been presented at non-Latter-day Saint forums, such as the Annual Seminar for Arabian Studies in the UK, and in publications such as the Journal of Arabian Studies. His work continues in both Arabia and Mesoamerica, including a major Book of Mormon central exploratory project focused on the hill Rama uh, slash Camorra, or Dash Camorra. This has been a recording of Nephi's Shazer, the fourth Arabian pillar of the Book of Mormon, by Warren P. Aston. 
originally published in Interpreter, a journal of Latter-day Saint faith and scholarship, volume 39, 2020, read by Jeff Lindsay. This audio recording is copyrighted under a Creative Commons license and may be freely distributed if it remains unchanged, the journal and its website are credited, and is for non-commercial use. A printed version of this and many other articles can be found at journal.interpreterfoundation.org. More information about the Interpreter Foundation, along with a wide variety of additional resources, can be found at interpreterfoundation.org.